Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Spring is my favorite time to start a new workout routine. With the weather warming up, it feels easier to get into the rhythm of things. Whether you have 20 minutes or an hour for a Pilates class or outdoor guided walk, Peloton has everything you need to help you get going. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello, my name is Gary Mansfield, and this is the Ministry of Arts podcast, where each week I'll be speaking to a different artist. Now let's begin by bagging these bongos. Hello and welcome to episode number 93 of the Ministry of Arts podcast. News alert, news alert. Just before we start this episode, I've got a little bit of news for you. As you're aware, we've been running this podcast for a little over two years. And if you're a regular podcast listener, you may have been aware that this podcast hasn't got any adverts. Most have a couple at the start, in the middle and the end of each episode. We took the decision just over two years ago not to do that. As a result, the financing, recording, editing, production and promotion has all been done by one person. And all of that work and financing has started to take a strain just a little bit. So we've started a Patreon page to try and draw up a little bit of support. And you can do that at the cost of as little as £3 a month, which, well, is pretty much a cup of coffee. There's several different tiers, starting from, as I just mentioned, £3 a month just to support the podcast. There's £5 a month to become a friend of the podcast. There's a VIP where you can get insights as to up-and-coming shows for £6.50 a month. For £15 a month, you can have your own little 20-minute episode over on Patreon. For £17.50 a month, you can get three small canvases that have been signed by or drawn on by the guests. And for £30 a month, you can have your very own bonus episode coming out just like this one you're listening to now, which will be aired on iTunes, Spotify, Google, everywhere. So please, if you're able, shoot over to Patreon and have a look. That's www.patreon, which is P-A-T-R-E-O-N, forward slash Ministry of Arts. So as I say, for the price of one cup of coffee per month, you can help these great conversations stay ad-free whilst helping the Ministry of Arts develop and grow. It'd be great if you could, but absolutely no problem if you can't. Either way, thanks for your time and back to this week's episode. 
Hello, I'm back again. You may have seen on social media that a little while ago I put a poll up asking who we should try and get on for the 100th episode. Well, you'd be glad to know that the winner of that poll has been contacted, they've agreed to be on the podcast, and we should be recording it just a couple of days after the release of this episode. Anyway, this week I'm taking you to meet Miss Margot McDade, or as you may well know her on social media, Margot in Margate. Margot has accumulated quite a following thanks to her simple yet extremely inviting and friendly portraits. For 10 years Margot has given herself a task of painting a portrait a day and now her work sells faster than she can make it. She sells it primarily through the craft website Etsy but since summer 2019 they've been a huge success in Margate's Turner Contemporary. Margot's vintage style portraits are based on no one, but appear to be based on, well, everyone and anyone really. And her bold use of colour seems to emit a joyful sense of optimism. This really is a great conversation, so come with me into the studio of Margot McDade. Um, so I, I don't know if you've you've heard any of them or, or seen what we've got on there, but I speak to artists from homeless artists who are using art to get off the streets to... Yeah. Turner Prize winners, you know, and everyone. I do have seven questions that I ask each artist. Okay. So if I ask you the first one, it is, how would you explain what you do to someone that doesn't know your work? I would safely say it's a little bit of folk art. Uh, So everything's made at home. Everything's made by me. Actually, just recently, I did get like a professional artist studio and I've been painting in that. So there's been a transformation that but I, I would safely say I draw a lot of faces a lot of people and I'm I do love people I love everybody but I particularly draw quite a lot of um females and it's I think it's something my mom always said she said youth is beauty and so all my faces are like pictures of of perfect shaped yeah. faces and they're just fun they're not serious they're not um, I don't personally question it too much. I just produce and make, and I love painting. And for me, it was it really was escape. And I'd started painting just as the war in Syria was kicking off really badly, about 2010. Yeah. And I couldn't watch the news. I couldn't watch. And I started painting to escape from, you know, at that time in the evening, my kids would go to bed and I'd be sitting and I'd just sort of really small sketchbook drawings, paintings, away from the news because the world is so horrendous so my point we was just getting bombarded with negativity wasn't we yeah but also that you know i every year on my children's birthday i always give a hundred pound to unicef and i think i can't watching the news is never going to make what's happening you know to watch children being bombed um to watch that on tv what what are you doing trying to desensitize us to, or what what is the point of that yeah i can't watch it it was just i was so maybe i was so depressed that that was what was going to push me right over the edge watching that kind of stuff and so i just turned to like sketchbooks painting drawing really simple stuff whatever came into my head whatever was in my heart just came out and um so that's how it started So it was sort of like a little bit of art therapy just for yourself to bring a bit of sunshine back in your life. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, I was a teacher for 20 years in in King's Cross. I worked in King's Cross for seven years as a primary school teacher. 
Mm. After I left art college, I trained as a teacher because I really, you know, I really needed to earn money and work. So I thought I'll be a supply teacher and I trained as a teacher. But one of my children in my class was murdered with her mum. Oh, wow. And uh, that had a massive impact on me. And it makes you really, really wake up and think, you know, God, this is serious. That yeah. life is very serious. Yeah. And I think, you know, one of the reasons I couldn't watch what was happening in Syria was because I was still, still quite traumatized by knowing somebody really, really close who was murdered with her mum in, in a domestic violence. And um, yeah, I think it was that my art is still therapy and it will be therapy for for a very long time because, yeah. you know, we, we live in such a brutal world right now. And, you know, I've got two young kids and I look at them and I think, how on earth are you going to cope, you know, with with the reality of what happens yeah. in, in the world, what happens to people? So you need to have coping mechanisms. For me, it's art whatever whatever you you need in life to cope we need to be doing it and getting on with it well that that fun and happiness that, that you're sort of searching when you're making your art it definitely does emit from your art doesn't it, it does, for, yeah for other it people. does yeah uh, you know i did uh, my very first show in margate about four years ago and uh, i put up all my pictures and i had one frame left and I, I use quite a lot of vintage frames just stuff I find in charity shops because I couldn't afford framing so I framed yeah. everything myself from these really beautiful usually made in boots you know yeah, England, yeah, yeah, 1960 yeah. 1970 boots made very good frames and I made I just did this last piece and it just said be kind and I, I kind of it was a message to people who came to the show please don't slate me and destroy me yeah, because yeah, yeah. I, you know I it was a it was a real sort of I literally it took me 10 minutes to do the painting yeah and it was the simplest piece now that I did it then as a print and I've sold thousands so that sort of be kind I think was a purely accidental um just last minute thought but it was it was genuine and people said to me oh you know how come you know you've got on so well on Instagram and I think uh, I went to this meeting with lots of Instagrammers and they they were really big Instagrammers like Decampling. Do you know Decampling? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Lisa Dawson. They said, what you are is you're, you're authentic. So I think, you know, in a way, if an artist is being authentic to who they are, it is more convincing. It is more... You can never go wrong if you're being honest, no, can you? You have to be honest. You, know, you can be, be criticised, but you yeah, can yeah, never yeah. be wrong if you're no, honest. no. No, and people can dis disagree with you, but you're still being. Yeah, and I exactly. think, you know, if you look at how our governments are running this country, honesty is one of the rarest things. Yeah. You yeah. know, we don't live in a very honest society. You know, just even booking an airplane ticket, it's dishonest because they add stuff. Do you have to deselect what you don't want rather than select what you do want? You know, it's become part of our culture to be dishonest. And I agree there because when when you do see someone or when you come across someone that is being honest, <laughs> you start to judge them whether whether yeah. they're you know there's anything underlying yeah. Are they legit? There. Are they legit? It's awful, yeah. isn't it? Could it be true? Yeah, it's you know I think culturally we, we need to be reset. You know, yeah. I mean that's 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 my definitely my standpoint is my honesty. Yeah. Um, only because I don't know if you know my background, but I I got into art via prison. Yeah. 
Yeah. So coming into the art world, I've all I've got a little chip on my shoulder. Yeah. Um, yeah. That people will think I'm dishonest because yeah. on paper I am, you know, although I'm not that person anymore. But also the stereotypes. Exactly. Yeah. And I've, and to be fair, Margot, I've, I've not encountered much of it in the art world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've encountered I've encountered a minute, minute little bit, you know. Yeah. Um, and I I accept that because yeah. They're entitled to that opinion. A, a, little, a little bit anybody can handle, yeah, can't they? It's of course. Just, yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm honest because of that, because I want to I want to be extra honest yeah. to show that I'm not, you know, yeah, that yeah, I'm yeah. not that person anymore. Um, and within the art world, it's fine. You know, yeah. it, it, I, I've seen I've seen great, great things happen in the art world. Yeah. But, um, you, you mentioned that just before we started this recording that you lived in North West Ireland. Yeah. You just mentioned King's Cross and then Margate. So you've got a little triangle going on there. Well, um, I left I left uh, I left Ireland when I was 19. I spent four years in New York. Oh well. And I think really, so I was working uh, when people say what were you doing in New York? And I say I was working as a waitress in a cocktail bar, <laughs> which I kind Excellent. of was, but I was working in Italian restaurants and, and Irish restaurants. But I worked in a little Italian restaurant in Midtown Manhattan on 45th on 10th Avenue. And it was just, you can imagine, I'd never been on an airplane before. Yeah, I'd lived, you know, in this border town, born 1969, so grew up with the troubles and everything. Then just left at the age of 19, just thought, get me anywhere yeah, out of yeah. here. Give me something else other than daily news. And um, yeah, just, so one of, the, I worked in a little Italian restaurant where this guy used to come in every lunchtime. And I used to just sort of serve him whatever. Never, I thought he was really interesting looking because he he wore like a green jacket and red trousers and a blue top and you know, like orange shoes and a yellow tie. He was really yeah. colorful and really, he looked like a clown. And then one, we had a new bartender and she said, do you not know who that is? And I said, no. She said, that's Mark Castabi, the artist. Wow. And I said, no idea who that is. Yeah. He'd taken over the factory from Andy Warhol. Yeah. And then I suddenly I knew who he was. I was like, oh, hello, <laughs> how are you? And, and he was saying, oh, who, you know, so he's, we had a really good rapport because I knew him before I knew he was an artist. Yeah. And then he was like, I would say, oh yeah, I've always done art and I'd done an A-level in art and, and he was saying, yeah, you should do it. You know, you should just come and see the factory. Come and wow. I'll show you around. And I'm like, no, you know, my mother said, never trust anybody. <laughs> worst decision of my yeah. life was like not seeing the factory by the artist. But he was a really genuinely nice person who was really down to earth and, you know, would have a little chat. And then I left uh, after four years in New York. I went back to, I went to Ireland, too quiet, couldn't cope, went to London and that uh, Abby was the first person I met in London. Excellent. Yeah. So we went that's, to Art oh, that's College. Abigail Fallis for, yeah, Abigail for Fallis. We went to it. Art College together. So we've known each other for 30 years. Uh, it's just lovely. She's a great person, great artist, uh, and a genuine artist, you know. Yeah, that's, definitely. That's what's so beautiful about it. It's like it's in your heart, art, you know. It's yeah. it's not something and once it's there, it doesn't really leave yeah. does once, it once once you unleash it yeah you can't put that stuff back in again well i got i got into art as, as we just said in jail then i'd yeah. done um, my degree when i come out yeah. and then i started a master's yeah but my my partner become pregnant we couldn't yeah. afford both yeah. so i had to stop the master's yeah 
yeah. and um, I took a bit of a immature approach to not doing art um, because I sort of threw a little tantrum that if I couldn't have it you know if, if I couldn't do it then yeah. I, I didn't even read about art you know if something come on the telly I'd yeah turn it over and likewise you in a paper it, you blocked yeah, it all out because I, I couldn't do, and I couldn't handle it emotionally and yeah it, and I say to people that it did feel like yeah. when I was a, a youngster and, and I've got sort of dumped by a girl you know that yeah. little knot you get inside yeah. I had that for years mm-hmm. and um and how long did it take for that to be rectified it was years it was um six or seven years yeah um and then just by chance my friend worked in a a school just near king's cross yeah he was working there and him and some um colleagues had tickets for the foundling museum for a talk with tracy oh my god that that museum is it's beautiful isn't it and someone pulled out and he asked me if i wanted to go and it turned out to be tracy emming was giving a talk I and I knew Tracy thing. from yeah. when I was in jail she wrote to me and I you know I knew wow. her from from when I was at uni and that um yeah I bumped into Tracy um she asked how I was doing I, I told her this noble story about I've given up art for my family and yeah. she properly gave me a bollocking Margot good she she is a genuine person yeah. I mean I think her relationship to art I remember seeing her um at the Turner nomination so Turner you know at the south bank i don't know what year that was it wasn't it was tape tape britain and uh, her video of you know all the boys standing around her she was at the disco dance and they're chanting slag 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 slag. and i just thought that is art that is art if you can turn that experience because it is about that emotion that is modern day art she's one of my favorite artists i love her her journey and and what she's done you know, and I think she's she should be very, very proud of herself because she has inspired thousands, yeah. thousands of people. And talking of honesty, she's the master of it, right? She is, yeah. Definitely. Yeah. When was it you when did you have your first interest in art, Margot? I remember being at primary school and um I had done a painting on an easel, uh, and I must have been seven, and the teacher had said <laughs> everybody come and have a look at this this is really really good and I remember just thinking wow I, I your, love your spine it. was straightening and oh your chest was goodness. coming out yeah. now I am alive yeah. I've just woke up and uh, it was a, a painting of a clown and everybody just went yeah the, wow oh, you know yeah, nice. and it just it was that was it and then I think when I was about 10 or 11 uh, somebody walked into class and said, we need to make a poster. Is anybody in here good at art? And everybody said, Margot, Margot's really good at art. And Excellent. I was shocked thinking, really? Really yeah. me? And so, but I always painted. I remember I got a, a massive watercolour, uh, really cheap, like, but that had like a hundred colours of watercolours. And I loved it so much. I never used it. I loved it that much. I didn't want to touch it. I think so. <laughs> I was just, so I was always I was always drawn and then my mum just sent me some pictures that I had a little sketchbook from when I was a kid and she sent it to me and I looked at it and I don't remember ever being that good but they were really really good like Excellent. copies of Mickey Mouse and yeah, yeah. you know really simple drawings but and well that was my first um injection into the art world was the same thing someone had showed me how to draw yeah um, and then um, I was I was doing 
envelopes and letterheads for people while I was in jail. And that was Mickey yeah. Mouse and Goofy and yeah, stuff yeah, like that. Yeah. I'd done one on the envelope and then like a, a, one on a, a piece of paper. Oh, and I'd amazing. charge like a, a two pound phone card or sort of half yeah. ounce of tobacco for for that, you know, so that was me. But you know, how the families would have read that letter with this beautiful illustration on the top of it, you know, that that the art changed people's yeah. communication even, yeah. you know. It shows love, doesn't it? That Definitely. somebody would pay a two pound phone card to get somebody to illustrate a little letter. That's beautiful. And bearing in mind, Margot, that our wages was like five pound 20 or something. So it's, you know, Oh my God, that's heartbreaking. 40% of their wages, you know. That's heart, that is just, I mean, what always amazes me is the capacity that we have for love mm. is never on the news. <laughs> and no. and my, my, I've got a, a really sensitive 12-year-old boy who's really, really bright and aware of the world. And he's saying, why do they never put on how good people are? Yeah. And it's like, it's true that, you know, it's just, it's so true. You know, we need to always look for the good in people and even people in prison you know having these beautifully illustrated that's just love yeah. you know yeah definitely how did you end up to be in margate i'm actually in ramsgate but margot in ramsgate just doesn't have a ring to it well <laughs> really doesn't so um i think i did the opposite of you i got pregnant um and then we were living in a one bed. I was a teacher and that stage I was moved up to Tottenham and was mm. working right on the corner of where the riots in Tottenham started. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I was in a big school there teaching and I got pregnant and then we got married and we were in a one bedroom flat. Um, and then we went on and had our second child. I still kept working one day a week or two days a week teaching and then it just got to the point where we're in Islington and a one bedroom flat, a really, really, really small flat. Yeah. And we were looked, oh, somebody was at our wedding. We'd heard that she'd moved to Ramsgate, which was, and I'd never heard of the place. And it said, it's really, really cheap and they've got massive houses. And I and thought, the that's beautiful it. houses down there. Yeah. Oh my God. More listed buildings than Bath in Ramsgate. Wow. So, um, so we jumped and the high speed train was just being built at that stage. So we knew about the high speed train. We used to walk down around King's Cross when they were doing all that work because there was loads of interesting engineering, engineering masterpieces going on. So uh, we just jumped on the train, came down. I had already looked online and looked at the houses, booked a few viewings and we bought a house for £140,000. But I mean, it was it was small, but um and then we bought a bigger house three years later when we thought we absolutely do want to stay here. We love yeah. it. But yeah, it's a really interesting part of the world. It's really nice because it's it's untouched, you know. There's you walk past houses and you think, uh, that hasn't been touched since like 1930. Exactly. Exactly. And it's it's something something really nice. At that stage, the gentrification really hadn't started. And even now, I mean, the, the gentrification hasn't touched the scale of poverty in this yeah. area. Yeah. So it's still, it's a nice community. It's a small community. And you, you got work in the Turner. Got work in, in the shop and the Turner it sells really well. I think it's, it's that thing, you know, people say to me, who, so who are these people that you draw? And I think they're just everybody that, you know, yeah. in a way I've done the opposite of, uh, you know, like Warhol was doing like Marilyn's and, you know, famous people. I just do, you know, they definitely pay in homage to the simplicity of, of silkscreen printing. Yeah. But 
I'm too impatient to to go through the process of painting, or, you know, of, of printing. So I just yeah. say, damn it, I'll just paint these up. So I just paint and paint and paint. And and people say, oh my God, I can see myself in that painting. Yeah. And it's just Brilliant. like, but I kind of think um, when I see all the really young, vibrant people that work at the Turner, all these lovely girls and, you know, and their vintage clothes with their yellow trousers, yeah, 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 yeah. And, you know, Larry shirts. I just, I mean, that just makes my heart sing, you know. And do you paint from memory, take photographs or? No, I just paint just, yeah, from memory, just from from the gut, really, from the heart. It's, yeah. it's, you know, they're very, very simple. They're very pure. In a way, I didn't, I'd set out, uh, I did myself a little post-it note one day and I said, right, how can I make money out of what I do? And I was, I was earning £120 a day as a supply teacher. And I thought, right, uh, if I do a paint in a day, you know, and I sell it for, you know, say 50 quid or 40 quid, I could do three paintings a day and earn the same amount as a supply teacher. Yeah. So I sort of had a, what it turns out to be a really good business plan on the back of, it was on the back of an envelope. And um, so I just started selling. And I think that's in, in the turner. So my work is, I think part of the success of what I do is the affordability. And it's like, Anybody can afford to buy an original yeah. piece of art yeah. if it's, uh, it's a, it's a, a access into the art world easily. It is, yeah. Brilliant. And also, I think the kind of people like one of the most common message messages I get is like, "I've never bought a piece of artwork before." Yeah. I love that. I just Excellent. think you know, I had this guy contacted me, and it's it was DJ plastering on Instagram, <laughs> and I thought that can't be him. That's that's his girlfriend. That's his girlfriend who's who's using his account. So this guy turned up and he was, he was DJ plastering. And I said, are you the plaster? And he says, yes. And I said, that's bloody brilliant. You know, yeah. I sell to plasterers. Excellent. And he said, every house I go into, Margate's got your artwork. I just, he said, I just really wanted one. I just thought that, you know, we're, we're looking for a quality. We, we've got to make stuff affordable. Yeah. I, yeah. I totally agree. I am, um, but I love that when people who are non-arty yeah. come into the art world. Yeah. I, I can't. I mean, that that was me. You know, uh, I yeah. shouldn't be in this Absolutely. world, really. You know, for, for well, what I, I am. Me my as well. Like my my dad was a car mechanic. My mother's a cleaner. Yeah. You know, and that and that that's what I love about Abby. We were probably, and we 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 do talk. And we say we're probably the last generation of working class people to go through art school. Yeah. Uh, funded by the government because we in my final year I think I had to get um they were still giving out grants but they'd reduced it by 10 percent every year yeah. and um you know we were the last generation who had that possibility you know do I want my children coming out of art college with um 30 50 thousand pounds worth of debt that's really frightening yeah. to working class people like like us yeah. you know to put yourself in that much debt we, we don't do that you know I don't have a credit card I've never been in debt my parents have never been in debt culturally that's that's going to be really really hard for me to say yeah that's a great investment yeah. you go there and get yourself into 70,000 pounds worth of debt or 30 or 20 whatever it is so I think you know we need to I don't know what the solution is for that one but I do tell people that a university debt isn't like a normal debt no, it's not. Because it's you're never going to have anyone banging on your door no. for, for it. It's no, just an increased tax code. Yeah, so, it is. yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. It, you, it, do, you do have to accept it. Yeah. I mean, I think it's just it's just one of those things. It's 
Margot, what's what piece that you've created has got the strongest emotional connection? You know, one of the very, very first pieces I did in that very first show was an original little painting. And uh, it, she, she, it was just, I just moved paint around in the simplest way. And she was just a blob of pink with like yellow hair. And she had a really downturned smile. Yeah. And she was called Sad Girl. Oh. And uh, <laughs> Sad Girl. And, and I posted it on Instagram and, I, and she'd sold. And I said, Sad Girl's soul today she's going to go to a new home and she ain't going to be happy there either <laughs> I, excellent i i think in a way you know i i think i've always been um sort of really sort of oh god you know the world is you know just always consumed by my own anxieties that yeah. no amount of builders road diggers cheer up love and i think i am that sad girl walking yeah. past going cheer up love and I think she, I always think of her and the people who bought her said, yeah, she's she's in the hallway. I don't know them, but I bumped into them once and they said, oh, we bought Sad Girl from you. And I was like, <laughs> oh, is she getting on? Yeah, still miserable. Yeah. That's good. But I, I think it, it's sort of, there's, a, there's an element of uh, honesty in that, being sad, but also it's hilarious, you know. Well, I've always thought that you know when, when you're smiling it spreads happiness it does and when, <laughs> when, when you've got a when you've got a frown or not frown when you're looking sad yeah that spreads empathy because people want to sort of we, yeah. we don't like that frown so we, we we want to try and understand it or yeah. turn it into a smile well, I if suppose you like after so, work working with kids for 20 years kids are so honest you know yeah. if they're if they're genuinely done in the mouth they're genuinely done yeah. in the mouth it's like what's wrong you need to tell me and it you know going back to that little girl who i worked with you know, I was the person who put her on the child protection register because I'd spotted that things were not right with her. And, yeah. you know, she was a vulnerable kid. Oh, you was that close to her? Wow. Yeah, I was really close to her. Wow. I was her class teacher. Every single day she would say to me, I wish you were my mum. And every oh, single day I said to her, I wish I had a daughter just like you. She was beautiful. She was vulnerable. Yeah. And, you know, that going back to that empathy of when we show our emotions, when we show our honest emotions, then we then we can really get help and we can help each other and we can be a community. We yeah. can start being real. And, you know, if you go back to like what life was like, say in the 1950s and forties and people really connected to each other and really helped each other. And, you know, we, yeah, we definitely. still need that, you know, yeah. and art, art reflects. Well, we where, had a bit of where that. We're at. Um, we, we experienced a little bit of that at the start of lockdown. Yeah. Or, or I did, you know, I mean, I, I live on an yeah. estate in, in um, Essex, East London, Boulder, like Romford. Yeah. Um, and during lockdown, you know, we don't know a lot of our neighbours around yeah, here. Yeah, yeah. But during lockdown, yeah. we started seeing yeah. you know, the neighbour across the road saying hi. Because, yeah. because we're, we're stripped of that bit of interaction. You yeah. sort of, you know, we're, we're animals, aren't we? You know, yes, at the end are. of the day, yeah. pack animals, if you like. And, yeah. and you know, we need that bit of association with other people, you know? We do, absolutely. Absolutely. We, we need that connection. We need to feel, we need to feel understood, Yeah. you know? And I think we all understood that we were all feeling scared and vulnerable at that yeah. very beginning of, and I think we, we're still there. We're still scared. We're still vulnerable. I think we've just got connected. used to it, haven't we? Mm. Yeah, that's that's the thing we've we've got we've got sort of used to it, and now we sort of um, 
I don't know. We're, we're not respecting it, I don't think, at the moment, and it's going to yeah. come back and come back and bite us. It's definitely going to come back. And bite I, I think that's a conversation we could uh, yeah. steer clear of. Really, absolutely. <laughs> God um, the art car boot fair. I've done. I think that I've just done. I did the one in Margate. That was my first one. Then I did a Christmas one, and then I've done the viral one. So I think I've done three. How was your viral experience? Because I know it sort of fell yeah. on its ass the first time, and and it didn't... It's been really well you know I kind of think you've got to be it to some degree I, I thought anyway art should be difficult to buy yeah. <laughs> certainly it added another dimension to like jumping through another hoop I, was, yeah. I mean it's fine it's my favorite um art thing of the year I've got absolutely. two favorites and that's one of them yeah. I absolutely I know the, love the it. buzz of that real life big event yeah is uh I mean you could if you if you could bottle that exactly it's fun you know, I would drink that every day if I yeah. could that would be my morning cocktail you yeah. know the, the energy of all those creative people and also people really love to find something you know yeah to find something that that they can take home and live with and appreciate that's a that's a beautiful thing yeah and i think you know again the, the art the whole idea of it being a car boot fair is that it's affordable and that affordability you know you let people like me into a world that you know I've only, the only piece of art i ever bought was a peter blake print which I bought from an art gallery that opened up in Ramsgate called the Updown Gallery. It's now closed. Um, and I thought, I really want to show support. And I bought a, a massive a Peter Blake print. And um, I'd never bought anything like that before. You know, that was my proper and one and only ever um, investment piece. But it yeah. wasn't really for investment. It's, it's a really beautiful aquarium. One of his aquarium nice. pieces bought. But yeah, the Car Boot Fair, it's a great, they're great events. Yeah, I think, I mean, I, I wasn't a part of the viral one, um, mm. only because I wasn't about that day. Yeah. But um, yeah, I'd, I'd spoke to Karen on the run up to it, or just when she was sorting it out before it was, e before anyone even knew it was going to be a, a viral thing. Yeah. Um, I was chatting to Karen about it, and uh, yeah, it, it must have been so hard to put together and, I think, again, another victim of COVID, you know, in the sense that it only happened because we can't meet in real life. And that's 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 hard, isn't it? But I think, you know, it seemed, I've sold quite a lot, so it, it seemed to do well. So that's Excellent. that's good. Um, what do you do to relax, Margot? Paint. Excellent. <laughs> I do. I've actually, uh, I've got two boys uh, aged... Um, just about to turn 13 and the other one's 10 and um yeah we live by the we, we're always on the beach we're always swimming in the in the summertime and then we're always out for walks and stuff it's easy to relax around here you know it's not yeah I paint that's how I genuinely relax I'll sit down now I, I like watching art programs or watching the boys have just got into Sherlock watch a bit of tv excellent Nothing too complicated. Yeah, yeah I like nice. doing a bit of Pilates. Don't overdo it. <laughs> Don't overdo the Pilates. Yeah. How about if there was you and five other artists, past and present, what would your ideal group show be? Oh, to show with as artists? Yeah, uh, I tell you, I absolutely love Elizabeth Frank. Do you know her? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you know those big goggle heads? I yeah, love her. Yeah, superb. Um, love Tracy. 
I'd love to see, you know, is this to show with and to chat with? Could I chat to them and see you them? You can do whatever you Hang like. It's your uh, imaginary uh, Ooh, private God. view. Yeah. There was a, a street artist as well called Margaret, all women, I think, because I think the whole idea of, um, you know, how women produce art and how men produce art might well be a, a different process. But I find women artists like Margaret Gilgallen was, um, she started off as a street artist in San Francisco. She died of breast cancer. Oh, yeah. uh, she died quite young, but she was really amazing. Beautiful little illustrations and and she did sprayed on the side of the San Francisco trains and stuff. But I love the gentleness of it. Yeah, I love Elizabeth Frank. Um, Rebecca Horn. Nice, yeah. You know, just really big, strong statement. Love her art Abby so picture. much. Abby, Abby, yeah. yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Rebecca Horn and um, Barbara Kruger. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Barbara Kruger, she did, I love her work. And Cindy Sherman, all of those sort of like, you know, those those women with black eyes that Cindy Sherman did. Yeah. Do you know Cindy Sherman, the photographer? She wrote to me while I was in jail. Oh, my God. Did she? Yeah. That's amazing. It's pretty cool. I just, I just love, I love... I, I suppose really I love the idea that we um I, I want to I, I want to relate to art I want to help it soothe my soul and and connect to the sort of you know the therapeutic idea of of being understood and and seeing Cindy Sherman's photographs of you know battered people and broken people and I'm definitely always going to be trying to talk to the underdog you know the sort of Definitely. or more vulnerable people in society you know yeah. I'm never gonna ever want to have a Chanel handbag I'm never gonna want to have those things but I just think I don't need them yeah you know I everything I get you know is from my art and my kids and my family I don't need I'm not materialistic at all I don't want yeah. I don't want things I want and I just love that you know Sunday Sherman she's looking and tell she what she what is she telling us you know we're all vulnerable we're yeah, all her work definitely makes you stop oh god think. it doesn't it, you know it her work is, yeah her work is sad isn't it it's yeah. and also sad but triumphant in the sense that you know we're all human but we're still we're still just getting along and yeah when I mean, you mentioned there about the underdog um do you go to the Turner contemporary a lot I do. I do go to the sh the shows that they put on there. The Did you last see one. the Kersler show that was there, the show by prisoners, a year no, ago. No, no, I didn't. I missed that one. When was that I've, one? I've I've been part. Uh, I think it was either summer just gone, but uh, sorry, not not summer. Yeah, the, the one before that. Yeah, nineteen. It was either nineteen or eighteen. Mm. Um, it it may know. have it may have been eighteen because I've always been associated or. I've always worked um, in in like the shadow of Kersler when yes. I've gone into prisons. You know, I'm, I've yeah. been a sort of associate in in some respect. But they invited me onto the board. Um, Amazing. Uh, last year, and I I wasn't able to get down there, but they they put on a show of prisoners' work. Do um, you know, I think I did see it. I think it, I did see it. It was in. Um... 
it wasn't in the main show. It was in the one of the wee side rooms, wasn't it? I, I didn't. I, I, I wasn't able to get down there. I think there I did on. see it. Yeah. But what they done? They done something that I wasn't aware of until I until I went to the board meeting. That, but they brought prisoners from prison. Okay, like some some people who was involved in the show, yeah. but yeah, when yeah, the gallery yeah. was closed, they brought the prisoners in so that they could see their work in situ. Yeah. Yeah. And um, they were saying that like when one of them went there, and you know they're turning up. These guys have never been in the gallery. They've never yeah, yeah, done yeah. art. You know, yeah. they turn up at this massive gallery. They go in there. It's shut down. They go in the room and they said one of them just started crying because yeah. he's you know seeing his artwork in this gallery. Yeah. Yeah, uh, fucking beautiful. That that is an epiphany, isn't it? Definitely. But yes, I think you know, if beautiful. you believe, if if you're a positive person, you've got to believe in rehabilitation. Yeah. You've got to believe that people do things for. You know, people get backed into corners, all kinds of corners, yeah. and how you know there, but go for the grace of God, go any of us, yeah. you know. Well, I see so, that as a flag that I that I definitely wave, you know, because yeah. people say it can't be done. I just say, well. You it know, has, yeah. And, and I, I don't sound like an artist or, or what people perceive to be an artist. Yes. Um, yeah, that's that's fantastic. And that what needs to happen is the fact that, you know, we need to break down barriers. The bourgeois elite of, you know, the 17th, 18th century, or that art was only for a very certain class of people. That's gone, yeah, you know? Yeah, and rightly so. Mm. And rightly so. What would you do if you wasn't an artist, Margot? I was working with kids and I have to say I absolutely loved I loved working with kids and um, actually working in King's Cross there was one little boy who'd been he was six when he came to us and he'd been excluded from three different schools <laughs> and he came in he was quite thick set little kid and you could just see that you nobody would mess with him uh, you know it, but he was six and like why would they and the school that I worked in was called Winton and the head teacher had got an OBE for her leadership. She was amazing. Excellent. And she saw good in every single child. And the energy within the school. I worked with so many amazing people and absolutely transformative relationships with young children, believing in them. And we had one of our learning mentors was a really big black guy called Alan. Alan! Alan, <laughs> Alan anyway, went in the school. And he... His heart was the biggest heart I've ever seen in anybody. Yeah. But he would go up to these little kids and say, you're going to do the right thing, aren't you? And they would go, yeah, yeah. But they loved him yeah. so much because he believed in them. He really believed that they were good kids. Yeah. You know, what the hell is wrong with our society that you exclude a six-year-old three times? Somebody's not loving that child yeah. properly. Yeah. The system is not loving that child. Somebody needs to... And it was the kind of school where, you know, every day was an intervention. Every day was a rescue mission. Every day was about, you just saw good in people. You saw the good and potential in children. We did a lot of art. And I think the head teacher hired me because at, at my interview, I, I, I was a, a TA, so a teacher's assistant beforehand. She said, so why do you want to come and work in the school? And I said, I've got a degree in metalwork. It's really hard to apply in the real world. And she really appreciated that. Mm, yeah, 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 degree in metalwork, not that useful, yeah. you know, but it was very useful in the sense that I could do, I could turn a cardboard box into just about anything you yeah, could want yeah. it to be, you know, detached bungalow, you know, I could do that. Um, so yeah, I'd probably go back into teaching again. But it's, it is, 
beautiful that art can change someone's outlook and attitude absolutely and then once it absolutely once, once they change a little something in their mind it gives you it's hope. not long before it fades down to the heart and they're a different, they're a different person margo you it know? gives you hope it gives you hope one of them the best exhibitions the one that just ended was the uh, we will walk and it's about um you know, artists through, you know, the, the abolition of slavery. Oh my God, in the deep South of America, they are my favorite yeah. art ever because the unbelievable pain and injustice and still they make beautiful art, the quilts, the sculptures, yeah. the paintings, and that survival, you know, that is, that is the spirit surviving no matter what, people in prison like you can imagine as yeah. well that is you you've got to survive that prison experience so art is that little light of hope well it it, it got me so, sorry to keep talking about myself no no no, but i love it when when i got into art um i didn't think i could be an artist who is the first artist that you you looked at and thought i love that well i'd seen one artist called dougie fields and I wrote to him and he replied. Then yeah. there was a thing on the telly about some artists that they brought the TV into us in the art room so that we could yeah. watch them. And I, the first one I saw was a guy called Patrick Hughes. Yeah. Um, fell in love with him. He was the type of, he was the person that I thought all artists were. Yeah. White. Well-spoken. Well-educated, you know. Yeah. And I was like, well, I've fallen in love with art, but I can never be an artist. I can be a tattooer or a sign writer or, mm. you know, something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then the next one was a guy called Ray Richardson, who was from Woolwich in South East London. And I saw his artwork first, and it's very cinematic, very like 1950s, 60s. Yeah. It's got that air yeah. of menace about it. Yeah. And it's very cinematic. And they were showing us the artwork, and it was a, like, it was a, a circus set, like outside a circus. Mm -hmm. And I thought, oh, I like that. And then the bloke went, my name's Ray Richardson, and blah, blah, blah. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I was like, fuck. Yeah. There is people yeah. like me. Because I knew like nothing me. about the art world. I'd yeah. never been in a gallery. I knew All I knew is what I'd learned for three months or two months in prison. Knew yeah. nothing about the, the world, yeah. the industry, anything. And I was like, and that, that was the, the spark mm -hmm. moment. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I can't do it. And like, you know, yeah. this is his artwork behind yeah. me. Yeah, wow. he's done a couple of me. Love it. Yeah. Um, and I wrote to him and I, it was like a begging letter, like, you know, a hallelujah sort of thing. Yeah. And it changed me pretty much overnight. And it changed me that quick that I refer to myself as a born again artist. Yes. Because I was, it, it, I was a villain all of my life. Yeah. And then I discovered art, wanted to get out of villainy, found yeah. this new thing, couldn't yeah. really find a way into it. And then bang, I wanted to do it. Yes. And that pushed, that pushed the whole of my previous life to one side. Yeah. And, and yeah, it, it was literally overnight. And then a, a domino effect after that with yeah. other artists contacting me and yeah. accepting me and inviting me into this world. Yeah. Um, just made me leave that behind. And, and like, yeah. I, I say that, that crime is like a, a drug, you know, like you're yeah. an addiction because everyone I knew was, into crime criminal yeah all of my family were they, they weren't criminals but they would all buy a bit of cheap meat when it come around or yeah, yeah, christmas yeah, time yeah. get a, you know to, to save money so everyone would the back of a 
I lived in Walthamstow and, and there was quite a lot of stuff that fell off backs of lorries. Exactly. <laughs> Just, and uh, yeah, some of it never even fell off. <laughs> they, stole yeah. the, they stole the entire lorry. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, but, um, yeah, so all of a sudden, I'm the only one in my circle outside. Breaking it in, yeah. In this, and I've broke the chain. Yeah, but I, I, I do think, you know, being a criminal and stuff, a lot of the time, people just ha have turned to it because there's not been that many options to yeah. to to prosper, you know? And... Um, we do what we do to survive and a lots of things become habit. So we've got to establish very good habits early on. Yeah. Yeah. Art I remember as a, as a kid, when, when it comes to going to work and um, a friend of mine had gotten, got himself a job just after school. And uh, he said that he earned, I don't know, it was like 120 pound that week. I'm, I'm you know, I'm similar yeah, yeah. age than you. As yeah. you. So I said they went to work, got 120 pound. And that to give like I don't know twenty five of it to the government, and I was like, "Fuck that! Yeah, I ain't yeah, giving yeah. twenty five. I ain't giving anything yeah. to the government." Yeah, and I was going. That was it then for years and years. Just that little throwaway thought that I had yeah. that day when I was immature at sixteen. I was like, "Well, fuck that! I ain't giving anyone else. I ain't going to work." Yeah, my yeah, yeah. Yeah. On a building site, for instance, and then go and give them a day's yeah, yeah, wages yeah. for it. Yeah. And then that was it for years and years. But I Actually, I think that is criminal that you take money from them and then you have big corporations not paying a exactly. freaking penny. Oh, so, you know, when you talk about crime, I mean, it, it's such a big world and the people who are committing the biggest crimes are not in prison exactly. and they never will be in prison. No. And that is what we're really up against, you know. So it's another chapter, but yeah. we do what we do to survive, don't we? Exactly. And, you know, exactly. Cindy Sherman, all of those characters in her photographs, they're doing what they're doing just to survive. And I think that's what that's what that art is why it's so powerful. Because we look at that and we think, oh well, I'm not a, a battered up, bruised transvestite, but I can see how she's feeling. Yeah. And I felt like that. I yeah. know the effect I've, of, I've been of there, yeah. yeah, I've been there. That those hard, hard realities of life are in those people's faces mm. so it's, it's amazing how art can transform absolutely your mind it i mean my, my partner's not into art at all even after all these years of me talking about it yeah it, yeah it's not her thing yeah and we went to ray richardson's studio one yeah. time and he had this one that on first impressions looked a bit thuggish it was a footballer holding behind him a union jack you must have seen it yeah, on yeah, yeah. How they do it yeah and she when we walked into his studio he's gone to make us a cup of tea and she's looking around there's this one on the wall and she went oh I don't like that and I said we don't even know what it's about she went I don't care what it's about I don't like it because yeah. it, it had that negative vibe and then when he come back in I said here Ray what's this one about and he told us a story and Ray's not like that anyway you know yeah he's told us a story of what it was about and unfortunately I can't remember the story but it was yeah, a yeah, positive yeah. upbeat story yeah 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 and when she come out she went that was beautiful, that artwork. That's two-faced cows. You didn't bloody <laughs> like it an hour ago, you know. But it just goes to show you that that your first impressions yeah. in someone or something can be totally wrong until you find out the background and what's behind yeah. them. Absolutely. You know? And that feel was right down to that guy on the street begging for a, yeah. for a price of a cup of tea, you know. Yeah. What have you got coming up, Margot? I know it's a bit of a dubious moment at the moment for the art world, but... I'm opening a shop again, so I'm nice. taking over a little. I do these pop-up shops where I just go in, 
get out all my work, put it all up on the wall, have a good look at it, sell some of it, put it all online. And, you know, I just, my business is just, I run it as a business. So I've, I've got, I think because I've worked in, you know, the real world for quite a long time. Yeah. I like the business side of what I do. You know, I like selling work. I like making work to sell, just selling more work, really. And just, it's going really well. At the height of COVID, I was selling 200 orders a week. Brilliant. Um, down at about 100 orders a week, probably for Christmas, it'll go back up. Um, I love what I do. I, it's just like, I'm always working. I, you know, I'll go now to the painting studio and paint and wrap up all my orders for the art car boot fair and Excellent. it's it's just brilliant it's positive it's like i'm earning money it's um, you know i worked as a teacher for 20 years and that was that's given me such um discipline you know i work every night i yeah. work every weekend and you do as a teacher you just work yeah but this is different this is like this is like building a a boat waiting for the rain to come you know nice. i don't spend my money I, I keep it and i i like that you know i like i like having a degree of security or yeah. you know yeah, definitely feeling like it means something you mentioned that you got a studio after some time did your work change or your approach to your work change in any way taking it, it from the home it literally was about three weeks ago oh, uh, it, it hasn't made it hasn't made a in a way, it, I think if I was to have it very long term, it probably would. But I don't think I actually need it. I think I work on a, you know, I work literally in my bedroom on a table. Yeah. And Abby came to see me and she said, uh, the the nicest thing she said was, oh, my God, you always worked really, really hard. <laughs> but she the, literally the entire house is just covered in everything to do with my art. Every Excellent. room. Are every, the kids sick of it? Everybody's totally sick of it. My husband is just like, you know. At, at once, the reason I did the show, he said, right, you've got two options. Everything goes in a skip or you sell it. Yeah, oh, okay, yeah. then. And he went and he had, um, he knew somebody and he went and had a chat with them and he came back and he said, so-and-so's got a gallery or an empty space, a shop yeah. in the old town of Margate. You know that that's that's your chance, and I said, "All right then, okay." And I knew he was absolutely serious, and he was right. It was an it was Brilliant. stacked as high, and I was just you know, so I was getting, you know, those canvases in the charity shop for a pound. Yeah, yeah. I would just I had all of those, and I worked on them. So my my work never ever really cost. So then, if you're not, it doesn't cost you that much money. You can make loads of it. So I'd made so much art. So, yeah, I filled a gallery in my first and sold absolutely every single thing. Well, like you said earlier, for this, the speed that you create your work, yeah. the price point that you put it out as, yeah. you don't need to do prints. You know, I was about to say, have you considered doing print runs of, of favourite ones, like the Sad Girl, for instance? I, I, I do but, do prints, and I think I do the prints, and then I do the artwork alongside, because now what's happened, now that I've become... Um, so I, do, I sell quite a lot of prints. I sell probably mostly prints and then 10 or 15 pieces of original piece a week. But now what's happened, I really like my original pieces and I find some of them really hard to sell, you know, oh, because wow. I think, oh, I like that one. Oh, I'm going to keep that one. Oh, actually, I, I, I like that one as well. Oh, so I end up, you know, doing prints of the ones I really like. And then I 
but I do sell original work. But it's 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 just good, you know. It's just it's it's a work ethic, you yeah. know. I think there's a lot of there's a lot of work to it, but it's work that I absolutely love doing. Excellent, brilliant. It's, it's great, great to hear. Mm-hmm. I know that your the ladies you paint are imaginary and and some sort of snatched from snippets of of life. Yeah. Um, do you do commissions from portraits or? Not really. No, they never work. I have tried it and it just, you don't get the same energy. You always try it because it's, it's becomes then a sort of. It's It's a different realm. It's a different world. It's a skill. It's completely different skill. I accidentally keep drawing one of my neighbors. Um, (laughs) She's one of my neighbors features heavily in it. uh, Subconscious. Um, Yeah. And people see, it's funny because people say, Oh, that, that's your sister and I'm like yeah I can see that now that you've mentioned it or that's so and so and I'm thinking yep yeah I can see that as well but they're just I think it's like that every man they're every woman they're just they're just people can't get those wrong can you no no and it's um it's just open but I do I do think there's something people say to me why do you think you've been so successful I'm like I have no idea absolutely no idea I think people like bright colors maybe they're bright bright and optimistic maybe it's because they're affordable and then I think maybe it's to do with you know in in Ireland you had your sacred heart picture that looked over you in every room you know you had saints looking piously in you know and I think, oh my God, that's what I've created. It's, it's like yeah. I've got a holy picture for the modern age. <laughs> it's like you're lonely. Yeah. I've read something about advertisers, advertisement agencies will use faces to appeal to people who are lonely. Wow. And I'm thinking, oh my God, you know, it's maybe that's why people are buying pictures of people, is because actually maybe we're lonely. Yeah, well. Every clock that's sold is sold at ten to two, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it's a smiley face. Yeah. yeah, yeah. They've done it the other way, and it didn't. It didn't work so well. But yeah, there's um, definitely something there. Yeah, the strange psychology of. How can anyone see your work online or social media? Uh, I'm prolific Instagrammer, so I post every day on Instagram. Um, I started using Instagram to document what I was doing, and also. It's that thing of, uh, I will do a painting now and I think, oh, that looks familiar. Oh, God. Oh. Uh, and I just did it again. Because you, if you're looking at so much art, you absorb it. A bit like Ed Sheeran got slated for copying something. You've got to be very careful that you're not, uh, you know, getting references from other people's artwork and using it in your own without knowing. Yeah. I like using Instagram because you can, you can really document when you did what you did. I've got a fair amount of copycats going on with my work, which is hilarious, but not very nice. But yeah, I put it on Instagram and I've got an Etsy shop. So it's a really only because it was the simplest thing to upload to. Yeah. And they're global. Actually, I think Etsy is one of those really weird things, which is why I think what I do is slightly folk art, because Etsy is one of those things that it's not really the art world. It's not a website and it's not it's something that everybody has access to access to and things. So Etsy's worked really well. So Instagram and Etsy is what I do. I don't have a website yet, although my sister's building me one as we speak. Um, but well, Abby, 
your, your influence rubbed off on her because she was talking about uh, Etsy for her bananas. Yeah. I don't think Etsy was right. I don't know. She could she could do those bananas anywhere. You know, I think there's so many levels to art. I don't think it, it, there's no one shop, one size fits all with the art world. I think, you know, you can put it in a gallery, you can put it on Etsy or you can put it on, you know, big cartel and, and places like that. But yeah, I love her bananas. They're great, aren't they? It's, it's, I, I love it when an artist just catches something yeah. in the moment that yeah. is throwaway to them, and all it of a sudden it them... takes on a world of its own. Yeah, and I own. think you know it's that domesticity. You know, for women, has always been like a, a prison cell. That you know, you have kids, and then you can you can't leave them. You can't go out to work. You you're sort of, you know, it's always been seen as being a very negative thing. But actually, Abby made those bananas at her kitchen table. And that's yeah, what I great. really, really love is that, you know, that's that's true creativity, isn't it? That you can make stuff at home, yeah. make it successful, and we can. And I think we're going to need a whole lot more of that in the future. Definitely. You're going to have to. You're going to have big industry won't serve us. It's yeah. not serving us very well at all. Well, that's why I asked that question earlier about did your work change when you got yourself a studio? Because I worked from home through necessity. Yeah. Um, and when my partner was at home um, and my children were at home through lockdown, yeah. I had yeah. nowhere to work. Yes. He was bringing the wage in. Mine is just a little bonus, Texas, you know. Yeah. So I had to sort of come away from where I was working and, and I ended up doing mine through the night. Yes. Um, I, I went out one time when I'd written work to do, I couldn't do it indoors. Yeah, yeah. Um, I found it hard because there was always that bit of something that needed doing yeah, around yeah, the home. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I just went and sat out in the park on obviously on a nice day with the computer and doing, and I've never done that before. And just being out of this environment and yeah. being in another, it made me so productive, which yeah. is why I was considering yeah. getting a studio or at least a small space somewhere yeah. to, to get me out of home because I'm here sort of 24 hours now, you yeah, know, yeah, yeah. dad and artist in the same day. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I, I find it beneficial for definite. Yeah, I'm going to go to my studio after this. I do. I definitely do. I'm more prolific, but I haven't finished any of the pieces. But when they're at home, because I was working on such a small scale, I had to start a piece, start another piece, start another piece, then go back because I didn't have the room. Then I'd ha I'd, it forced me to finish every single piece and it forced me to sell a lot more. Yeah. So I actually made more money and I was actually selling more work when I worked from home. Now that I've got, I, now my ego is all over the place because it's just like, oh, look, I've got all this space. I can make all this art. None of them are finished and none of them are ready to sell. Yeah. So I need to be more disciplined and say, right, you've made, you know, you've made 50 pieces. You need to finish all of them and yeah. get them sold. Whereas at home, I could only maybe say do 10 or 20 pieces. Yeah. And then I had to finish them and sell them before I could do the next lot. Whereas now I've sort of stockpiled way too many <laughs> way well, too many when i was in jail i was making work for like four and a half years in my cell and wow. i properly restricted in, yeah. in every way yeah then i started my degree from prison i was yeah. coming out of prison going into into university of east london and they was like you can use any material any workshop yeah. you can the blow your, your mind your oyster <laughs> and with this great big studio pick whatever bit you want 
And I was like, oh, I'll do, I could be over there in, in, in front of yeah. the massive window, but that hasn't got any fucking bars on, you know? Yes. I could be here, be there. But there was this one little area that was all cooped up. And I went yeah. in there, I thought, I don't want that. That's where I ended up because I yeah. felt fucking safe yeah, in yeah, there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The materials that I used was the materials that I brought from prison with me. I felt safe using them materials. Wow. I didn't want to, exp- for, for pretty much the whole of the first year. That is so was, interesting, isn't it? The tutors were saying, Go in the metal class, you know. Yeah. Go in the in the woodwork, in the printing. Yeah, just yeah, get out yeah. of that corner. And I was going, but I can't. You know, it was wow, quite sad. Really. How long were you in prison for? Seven years. Oh. I got sentenced to fourteen for drugs. Oh, oh my um, god. Yeah. And that was how it. old? Were, how old were you when that happened? Twenty six. Okay. Twenty six. You've recovered from that. How? You're the same age as me now. Yeah. yeah. Well, sixty eight. I was born, so it's yeah, a year yeah. different. Yeah. Um, I, I, How long did it take you to recover from that? I haven't. Yeah. The, the prison was always, because I was always a criminal and a villain. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it was always an uh, occupational hazard anyway. So I yeah. was fine with the prison. Yeah. It was the fact that I was set up. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, it's the I've... injustice of it. It's yeah. the injustice of it. And it's it, it goes back to those very primal instincts of being vulnerable. Yeah. And you were vulnerable in that, in the sense that doing dodgy clothing, I mean, that's not, it's neither here nor there, but getting set up for that amount of drugs, it's just horrific. Yeah, well, that's the thing, because I'd been in all sorts of crime. I'd, I'd stepped into it, didn't like it, stepped into that, didn't like it. The clothing thing, I thought, well, it's a way to make a good living, a yeah. good wage. Yeah. And it was something that if I got caught, even with a van load of it, yeah. Very worse ways, I'd get three months. Yeah. It was it was a nothing. So yeah, I, yeah, I put yeah. myself in a position. Yeah. It's a nice measured um and then I have these fucking assholes who are just greedy, don't care about anything but their yeah. wallet. Yeah. Put me in jail for that long and ruined my family. And yeah, yeah, yeah. It was it was because it wasn't of my doing. Yeah. And and yeah. that's the bit that yeah. I'd always and and even now, I I have proper trust issues with people. Yeah, you yeah, know? yeah. I yeah. don't have any friends. Uh, uh, that sounded a bit too sad. You know, I keep my yeah. distance from people. You know, I, I find it hard being in big yeah. spaces where the crowds are, or gigs yeah. and pubs and that sort yeah. of thing. Yeah, it's a, a, a sort of sad result. Well, thank God you've you know you you've got a family, you've got your own kids now and stuff like that. Because I think that that is a massive part of. Um, of recovery really is to have a family and to to rebuild your life yeah. you know i think having a family helps you rebuild your life oh, i i don't think i would have my children had i not had that severe loss of of that little girl you know that mm. really hit me really really hard and it made me go right sort my life out right yeah. i need i need to have a family that's it i'm going to sort my life out i was 35 i didn't have a boyfriend and um she died that year and i just thought right i'm gonna um after i'd had a massive nervous breakdown i thought right i'm gonna rebuild my life so i don't think it's always you have to rebuild your life i think sometimes when you rebuild it you've got to make it better than what it would have been yeah you know you wouldn't have become an artist had you not been to prison you made it better i I wouldn't change it margo to tell you the truth yeah but isn't it beautiful that that little girl has improved your life massively no, she's, it, st- it, she's she's still here she's still in my heart yeah beautiful. still completely in my heart beautiful well margo that's all my questions asked excellent lovely to meet you gary oh and you loved it lovely to hear your story you've you've 
you're a very inspiring person as well you know oh, that's you. just wonderful to hear to, to what you've done and oh, and to be part of the art community i mean this is this is the beautiful thing about the art the art world like tracy Ehrman or cindy sherman or usually you know we learn so much from each other don't we yeah definitely actually i think if the government really wanted to to actually invest in people and to invest in people to think and to be articulate and to connect to people what better investment could you make for the future of the world yeah you know brilliant all right margo thank you very much for your time thank you so much see you, you later. take care lovely to meet you gary brilliant. see you later bye bye bye, bye. There you go, a little trip down to the Kent coast to go and meet Margot McDade. How cool was that? And Margot's approach of making good artwork accessible for everyone at an affordable price really has been the key to her success. When you've finished here, if you don't know her work, go over to Instagram and have a look. Her handle is at Margot in Margate. Give her a follow, a few likes, or even drop her a message to say hi. And also, as mentioned in the intro, we've got a Patreon page to help support the podcast. And for as little as the price of a cup of coffee per month, you can help support the podcast. You can find a link in our social media bio, or you can go straight over to www.patreon.com forward slash Ministry of Arts. It starts at £3. If you want to give more, there's plenty of other tiers. But anyway, like I say every week... Wherever you listen to your podcast, you should be able to leave a comment. If you could do that, that really does help us get noticed and anyone else looking for an art podcast. So, thanks again. And until next week, ta-da. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. 
For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you.